0: I was a successful guy and everybody was applauding, but I couldn't applaud myself. I couldn't respect the man I saw in the mirror. If accumulating cars and houses and toys and women and all that stuff is not what it's all about because I'm not happy, I'm just not fulfilled, then what is?
1: Robert Altuis is the founder of Sacred Wealth Institute, a mindfulness organization that provides coaching, strategies, tools, and techniques to help. Private clients and businesses find their why
0: so they can become a force of good in the world. I made a commitment to my ex-wife that I fucked up this husband part, but I am 100% committed to being a world-class
1: ex-husband. He was once an Ivy League educated Fortune 100 corporate executive and later a successful real estate and private equity
0: entrepreneur. I called this lady and I said, Marilyn was her name, and I said, I'm a man. Mess. And I, I know I'm a mess, you know, I need some help.
1: Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you. For tuning in, so Robert, an absolute honor to have you here, my man. And oh my pleasure. Yes, all the we way. We tried from, a few
0: times, so I'm glad I'm we finally connected.
1: Yes, That's it's been a, a long life, time coming. Yeah, <laughs>
0: life got in the way, family, kids. Uh, I think uh, you know back and forth a few times. So here we are, man. Here we of are course. to make it happen.
1: Yeah, I'm grateful for that, man. Thank you for your patience and perseverance to make it happen. And uh, yeah. I've be looking through your content, trying to get to know you a bit better. And uh, I absolutely love the the content and the messages you put out there. Extremely relatable to me and of course to many other people as well. And you've spoken about the status quo and the courage it takes to break free from the status quo, which you and I have done so and several of the men too, of course, but many people are still trapped in in that realm. I'm curious about, your journey from breaking free from the status quo and how you managed to do that, to bring you to where you yeah. are today. So we'll sort of bring it back to the beginning to a time before and to take it from there. So yeah, what was, what yeah. was, li- what was life like for you within the well, status quo? <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, the, the, my status quo is what the world calls success. And so I, uh, you know, I was born in, uh, in in Amsterdam. I was twenty-one when I left and um I washed up ashore here in the United States and I had the American dream, you know. I uh I was a very competitive guy and you know, put myself through school and I had a big real estate career and I went to an Ivy League school, big corporate career, and then I had my own uh boutique investment business and um you know, hung, hung with the big guys and uh, did the big business and uh was very successful. And I, I had a lot of luck, I had some good breaks and um but, you know, I got to this proverbial mountain peak where, um, you know, I was in my early 40s and and I had made it. Right. I had made it to the summit, but I had kind of bankrupted my soul in the way as a man. And I, I, I found myself really struggling to see, like, where to go next, because. I was supposed, I mean, I was disillusioned in a way that, that that uh, you know, I had done everything society told me to do, and I was a successful guy, and everybody was applauding, but I couldn't applaud myself, I couldn't respect the man I saw in the mirror. And In hindsight, that's kind of what triggered uh, what's called an awakening, and, you know, I really went deeper into that, like, well, if moving around decimals on a spreadsheet and making all kinds of people a lot of money, including myself, is not the purpose of life, then what is? And if accumulating cars and houses and toys and women and all that stuff is not what it's all about, because I can't, I'm can't, i not happy, I'm, I'm I'm just not fulfilled, you know, then what is? Because I know by now the next car, the next million, the next whatever, isn't going to do it, right? I, I had kind of exhausted that, what I call a game man place. And so, but I didn't know what else. I, I didn't know where else to look. I didn't know what else to do. Um, so really, that's kind of what prompted me to start. This search and that that went down the spiritual path. I started reading ferociously, go to workshop retreats, and I was just trying to look for answers. Um, honestly, my mine, mine, mine isn't a very graceful story because I I really didn't have the courage to really move off that status quo, even though I was searching until my whole life fell apart, um, and so I had an epic fall from grace. I had a divorce. I had a business got wiped out by a hurricane, and that cascaded into kind of my balance sheet getting decimated. And, you know, everything I had built up over 20, 25 years fell apart. It just dissipated around me. And, of course, it's just the universe giving you a gift wrapped in sandpaper, as I call it, because we learn through crisis and catastrophe. Uh, it's very hard to move into courage until you're really forced to do it. And so my isn't a story of, this guy that had all this courage and just jettisoned everything, the universe basically just knocked me on my ass and I was stubborn. So it knocked me a little harder until I finally woke up and said, okay, this isn't the way to go. And, uh, I went to a really dark place. I was very depressed. I was at one point, even, um, borderline suicidal. And, um, you know, this proud alpha guy, that was the conqueror world, the guy that swam with the sharks and became a shark was suddenly just, uh, a little speck of stardust really lost. And from that place, um, it opened up this ability to start seeing life in a completely different perspective and what it's really all about. Um, so it wasn't a very courageous, heroic story, even though it was my hero's journey that everybody may, makes in their own way. Um, but it was my way of uh, eating dust and then figuring out a way how to get myself back up in and in, in, you know, alchemize and transform myself in a different way, but I couldn't do it until all the old had to fall apart. Basically there was nothing left. There was a shadow of a man left. And from that shadow, I, was, I really had the opportunity to build something different.
1: So you're trying to figure out where to go from there. What, what did that look like? You, you know, one, of the, one of the
0: big things, you know, when I went through my divorce and, 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 you know, I had this hurricane that, that wiped out a business, um, you know, I, I was at this stopping point, this dark place, and and actually, really, what helped me is I acknowledged for the first time I needed help. Because up to that point, I was really just trying to figure it out myself. But I realized that this was kind of beyond my own ability. I needed a hand. I needed someone to guide me. And you uh, know, and, and the irony will have it that I had walked out two years earlier out of couples therapy, basically calling this therapist you know a waste of time. And that was the only person I knew to call because I didn't know anybody else. And so I called this lady and I said, you know, Marilyn was her name. And I said, I'm a mess and I I know I'm a mess and I need some help. And I I don't know where to go. Can you help me? Can you find me a psychologist? Can you find me a counselor or someone? And she actually took me in and she said, you know, come, come have a chat with me. and We'll see where you are. And, and, you know, we'll talk about it. And um, that culminated in me engaging her for five months intensive therapy three four times a week and that was really kind of the shift of momentum Um, and it opened up a path for me to really start rebuilding myself Um, but the the asking for help was a big one because I was a proud motherfucker I I don't know if I can say that but um, you know I was this alpha guy that only a few years earlier was this this titan in my business I was real recognized. I was, I had everything. I had an a oceanfront home in a community here in Miami. I had the cars, the toys, the wife, the kids. I mean, I was the man. And for that man to say, I don't know how to get out of this by myself, that was a big one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I needed to swallow my pride and, and just reach out for help.
1: What would you have changed, knowing what you know now, and in- your mm-hmm. in your journey of becoming that
0: well i wouldn't i wouldn't change a single thing because i've learned that the intelligence of life is interwoven in every second of life and if i wouldn't have had the peaks nor the troughs i wouldn't be the man i am today here even though i don't wish anybody on the pain and suffering that i went through to get there but i needed that that was the, you know, a, a diamond is polished or formed under intense pressure. And it was a gift for me in hindsight, because that pain and suffering, that journey that I walked, it culminated into a book. It culminated in my ability to share this lived experience with other men that are making that journey, with other women that are maybe um, having a narcissistic asshole in their life, which is what I was. And so my ability to now have this medicine to share, none of it would have been here if it weren't for these experiences. And so I I now see all of it as a gift as, as, you know, listen a lot of it wasn't pretty, but um, it was all essential. It needed to be exactly the way it was. So I wouldn't change a thing. There's a lot of things I don't do anymore (laughs) uh, because I learned, you know, I grew, I evolved. And, um, you know, I learned the things that work and serve us and I learned the many things and, and the many ways I was not serving myself and thereby not serving the loved ones, the people, the world around me.
1: Yeah. Well, the the, the main reason I asked that question is that it uh, you could uh, title that as your midlife crisis, perhaps, you know, reaching the age of 40, thinking you've done, sure. as, you, as you mentioned earlier, everything that society would expect of you and still Feeling empty and lost in your life, yeah. and there's men out there today. There's I'm heading towards that that forty mark in a couple of years' time. There's men out there today in their in their thirties, early thirties, mid thirties, sure. who uh, can almost sense this sense this period of their life coming up. And yeah. I'm curious as to whether you had that sense before it happened and did you ignore it? Did you push it? Did you push it away? Did you yeah, avoid um, the, the, the discomfort?
0: Yeah. Although in the moment, you know, you're so busy. I was very, like I said, I was very competitive I was very driven. And so I worked incredible hours. I, um, you know, I was, I was living in the fast lane, um, flying around around the world, doing big business deals, making a lot of money, which included a lot of being out of integrity because, you know, Uh, At that echelon of business, you know, you find yourself in strip clubs and brothels and God knows what around the world. And, you know, in so many different ways, this living in, in, in out of integrity had to be numb because I really couldn't. I mean, if I was really honest with myself, I knew it was off, but I wasn't even I didn't even have the ability to be really truthful about it. And so you numb it with alcohol, with drugs. I had sleeping pills. I had anxiety pills. And, you know, I had a big business in Latin America at the time. And, you know, there you can just get any doctor will get you anything. So, you know, there were so many different ways in hindsight that I look at it that I was like, yeah, I was numbing the the crap out of myself because I couldn't really stomach reality the way I was showing up and living basically a lie. Uh, and, and, And ultimately, the lie caught up with me that I... I reached all these mountain peaks and everybody was, you know, applauding me and, you get the accolades and, you know, you should have seen my LinkedIn profile. And, but I knew it wasn't real. I knew there was, you know, a lack of integrity. I wasn't the man even my mother raised. I wasn't, you know, I hadn't adhered to these values and, 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 you know, I wasn't, I wasn't noble. I wasn't really that courageous. I mean, I was competitive. I was obviously good at what I did, But there were so many qualities I felt I was lacking, and it was just not, there was no spine to it, you know? I mean, I was in that sense, even though the world applauded it, I was really what you you would say is a weak man, because Mm -hmm. a man that cannot, you know, that has to numb himself, that has to get lost in alcohol and porn and gambling and all kinds of debauchery and gluttony and, you know, a man that needs to buy ever more beautiful cars, so his self-worth is reestablished, you know, a man that chases women, uh, you know, out of integrity with his wedding vows because he needs that validation that he's a player, a guy that in business, um, you know, we call that, you know, being clever and smart and all that. But, you know, there was a trill of debris in my slipstream throughout my life. You know, there was uh, broken hearts and, uh, and and business partners that had jettisoned friendships. I lost because I was so destructive in just being this illusionary successful guy. That when I when the music stopped in terms, of I sold most of my business, and then I had this time for a moment to just look back and I say, Yeah, well, it's nice I got all this, but look at the damage and destruction I left, like this can't be the purpose of life. This can't be like the world tells me this is what you're supposed to do, but it just fell off to me. It was like, this can't be the purpose of life. And if if there's all kinds of guys like me doing this, no matter, no wonder the world looks the way it does. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and where all this journey brought me really is that for most of us, men, we're very disconnected from our heart. That's feminine intelligence, that's feeling, sensing, intuiting, and direct knowing. That's actually our portal to higher intelligence. And this is where love and compassion enters our being as a man. And so this is a world that we look at today, look at this mad war in Ukraine, but there's wars in Palestine and Yemen, it's all around the world. And like if you look at all of it, there's a there's an a void of love and compassion, right? And when we, as men, you know, run this world, run our lives, and we don't have that vital component guiding us, we cause a lot of harm. Now, if we can incorporate that within our being and create our own life as that is the North Star, now we're a force of good. And this is really the difference. But you cannot access any of that unless you can look yourself in the mirror and love yourself first. Because you got no love to give if there's no self-love. You have no, you cannot see worthiness in anybody else unless you are fully self, you know, anchored in your own self-worthiness. And so I really all these things, what I discovered was like I I really just had to work on those things first. I had to change me first. And, I, you know, it, it took me 44 years to get to the point in my life where I actually realized that because I always blamed the rest of the world. Everybody was assholes. Everybody's dumb. Everybody. Nobody gets it. Nobody gets me like, you know, this world is fucked up. Everybody else is doing it. And it wasn't until, you know, 43, 4, 45 that I realized, like, man, I need to work on my own shit. <laughs> because I'm creating all this stuff and this slipstream, you know, this, this trail of debris I left behind me, I can't blame that on anybody. That was me. Right. Now you don't have to get to your early forties to get that realization. I think there's a lot of men in their thirties and twenties are, that are coming to this realization. And I like, you know, why am I playing this game? The world wants me to play because this is doesn't make me feel good. And so you can just as easily in your early 30s come to this realization. I'm just, a little slow in the uptake. And so it took me a little longer.
1: Yeah. I can relate to everything you're saying there. I've, I've been there myself and I've uh, left a path of destruction behind me as well. Just as you mentioned there, the most difficult part for me in all of that was to forgive myself. How did you, how did you, how did you manage that?
0: You know, I think it's an integral part of um, self-love. Because once you start looking at your life, you say, okay, this is uh, this is the movie of my life, right? And you can't change the things you've done. Now you can you have to become a mensch to make amends. And I made a list somewhere early in 2016, I think, I think it was like 70 or 80 people that I came up with. And I made it a point to call every single person that I felt I had somehow crossed or shortchanged. Um and I called every single one of them and I said, you know, I cannot change what's happened, but I want you to know I, I'm, a, I'm aware of it. I realize it. I own it. And, you know, I want to say I apologize for how I showed up back then. That was for me a part of owning it as a man. And it was very uh, cathartic in a way because I was really just going back and just owning my own shit for the first time in my life rather than blaming the whole world. And so that felt that gave me a level of empowerment. And what I noticed, and this was one, this was maybe the healing part of it, that of the seventy or eighty calls that I did, every single person was incredibly gracious, and it led to and you know fantastic conversations. Some of these people I hadn't seen in ten years or fifteen years or twenty years, right? And I was like so heartwarmed by it. I said, man, if we could just apologize to someone and say, hey, you know, there's something that I did. I own it. I can't change it. But I want to I wanna let you know that I realized what I did and I own it. If you could just say that to someone, that is healing in and by itself. And whether they do something with it or not, or whether they accept it, or maybe they're not around anymore. You can also do this with diseased people, by the way. That's the way I had to do it with my father. But um, it's just incredible, powerful when you can start owning your shit and say, you know, I was flawed, I made mistakes, I didn't show up the way I should have, and I own it. And it won't happen again. And, you know, I apologize that I harmed you, that I hurt you. Uh, and I I recognized that I did. And just leave it at that, because we can't change the past, right? And all our experiences, in a way, when you start looking at it this way, that every experience in life is just a lesson to be learned. Now, if we don't learn our lesson, it's just pain. And this universe is not here to saddle you with pain from all your accumulated pain over your lifetime. The universe is just kind of neutral in these experiences in that it just wants you to learn the lesson. It just wants you to grow because the universe is playing what I call the game spirit plays. Now, that's an eternal game. That's an infinite game. You're an integral part of that. And so this is just one little tour of duty on the earthly plane in this incarnation. But if you start viewing yourself as like, you know, I'm this piece of art that's refining itself over time, right? And the game here on Earth is to refine my art. Robert, in my case, Gavin, in your case, to refine that art as well as I can, and that's all that's being asked of me, right? Now I can, I now I can have another approach because then it's just an experience. And what can I learn? What wisdom can I, what you know? Because that's juice from every experience. What wisdom can I take from it, and then transmute that into it being a different, more higher, evolved, ascended person, you know? So I don't make the same mistakes. I don't digress, right? I continue evolution, and we're just a speck of stardust in a, in a universe that's evolved. And so we're just part of a big game, and we're just one unique, individuated aspect of it. And I want to share this one quote, which is in my new book. I, I reference it a lot because uh, there's been a lot of great people in this world. So if you think about ourselves as spiritual art, you know, you're know you both the sculpture, the sculptor and the sculpture. You're both at the same time. And like Michelangelo said, I just saw David in this in the marble. And I started cutting the excess marble away. So we can start looking at ourselves, you know, where this perfected David. And it's just it just has excess marble that needs to be chiseled away. And to chisel away marble, you know, you have to rub it, you have to sandpaper it, you have to chisel at it. And those are the kind of the rough experiences we have in life, right? Now, well, one more quote, because I love these quotes. Leonardo da Vinci said, art is never finished, only abandoned. And so the only thing you have to remind yourself is don't abandon your goddamn art. You are a piece of art. You're a poet, right? Every single one of us is a poet. And you are the sculpture. You're the David. Don't abandon him.
1: I like it. Going through that list of 80 people that you rang up, 80-something people, that you rang up to say sorry to, to apologize. Yeah. Which one of those was the most challenging?
0: Well, my father was unique because he was passed away. But I I, I think the one that maybe um, really had a profound effect on me was, you know, I, I had a first wife. Uh, and we got divorced. I I, I mean, typical example. So I went to New York. I was living in Atlanta with her. We were married five, six years, and I went to business school. And, you know, we have kind of grown apart. We wanted different things, but I really just discarded her because she didn't fit anymore in my new corporate job that I got after business school and I was moving on. And I, I accepted that job in Connecticut without even talking to her. I took my final exams. I flew from New York to obviously we already had some trouble, but you know, I flew down from New York to Atlanta after my final exams. I had a graduation ceremony three weeks later and I basically sat down with her and I said, you know, um, this isn't working out for me. I took this job with G capital in Connecticut. I got to fly back up in three weeks for my graduation ceremony. So I'm just going to pack up my stuff and let's talk about a divorce. You know, there was just no feeling in it whatsoever. Right. And, um, you know, so, so, you know, we, I called her and I said, like, man, I just, I, I was just such an asshole, you know? And, and, you know, it was better for us in the end to get divorced because we both moved into different directions. And, and, and so we had this uh, discussion and I told her a lot of things about our relationships and, and our experience together. And, um, and what came out of it, which was really mind-blowing, because we don't think about this, is that she started sharing her experience in the ways that she had also, in her own way, maybe not been 100% in an the relationship. And we ended up, you know, having like the most healing hour and a half conversation, where we shared back and forth, and shared our experiences in this really open a conversation. And, and you know, we were crying our eyes la- out, like, at times, you know, these painful experiences, but also, like, it was so human, because there were two sides to that. And I I had, I had really, like, I was at this point wallowing in my own, like, disintegrity, but then it turned out there was also, like, another side of that picture. And then the last half hour, we just laughed our ass off. We went back to, like, the good stuff, and how we met, and the parties we had, and the things we did, and the vacations, you know, our favorite memories. And so we kind of came complete full circle, and I'm still in touch with her. We we text occasionally, you know, not, not too much. Our lives are just kind of, but, you know, before our birthdays and stuff, we have a laugh. Um, if I go to Atlanta, you know, I, 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 uh, I have lunch with her or whatever. And it's just in this beautiful place. We had this five, six years uh, of marriage together. It was beautiful. We grew from it. We evolved from it and there's now it's complete. It wasn't complete until we had that conversation. And so that conversation completed it. And I think that's a big thing in life um, because we can't change what happened, but sometimes there is a reason to go back and complete it.
1: Mm -hmm. And then you got married again.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was right after I got out of business school, so I, I wasn't really planning on that, but, you know, I, I met someone when I started my new job, and, you know, that was the quintessential, um, you know, kind of American dream girl, she had a big career, and, uh, and then we had a, a beautiful wedding, and it was it's all described in my book, it was kind of a fairy tale stuff, and, um, you know, big destination wedding in Mexico on the beach and a an honeymoon to South Africa and Zambia. And then we eventually started having kids and, uh, and obviously we had three beautiful kids. And, um, but you know, in a way I got too busy with my career because I was so focused, you know, especially when the kids got into the picture cause she stayed at home as a mom. I was traveling a lot. I had business interests all over the world. And I was so busy, um, with that. And you know, we we had the, by this point, I, I I was making quite a bit of money, and so anytime she brought up, she really wanted more of me. And my solution was, I'll buy you a new minivan, or you know, I'm really busy. Can you be more involved? Can you be more present? Can you be here more? You know, like what a wife would ask you to do. She wants you to be in her life, and I would say, well, you know, I hired you a full time nanny, you know, <laughs> to give you help. That's not what she wanted, right? But I was so monomynacrally focused on this goal I had said that I was going to be this Titan in whatever business I was in that, you know, I was deaf to her longings. I was deaf. And so this beautiful romance that we had initially. It started eroding from the inside out because a woman love is a woman's sacred fuel source. So you stop, you know, topping up that love right she withers like a flower like that's her sacred fuel source a woman needs to be seeing her in love men too but like love is the sacred fuel source and i started dialing that back because i just didn't have space and room for it and you know obviously the dynamic changes when you have kids you know that too and so I wasn't masterful in navigating all that. And I just had no time or interest in it. I was just too busy with other shit, which was bullshit. You know, I mean, how important is it to fly to your next deal in China and make more money when you already make enough money? And like, how important is that versus, you know, investing in your marriage or investing in like being there as a father for your kids? I wasn't very present for them in the early years. I was never home.
1: hmm when I asked you about the things that you would potentially change in the past, mm-hmm. that was the one thing that was on my mind in terms of, I wonder would he have changed anything about his marriage? Well, knowing, knowing what you listen, know.
0: now, No. Yeah. I mean, if you ask the question that way, and I think I write about this in my book, I, I really just, you know, they are also. Awesome. I, I, I should have, I could have done more. I could have tried harder. I could have. Now I look at life in the overall scheme of things and I know where we are now. And like, I wasn't, when we got divorced, I wasn't the man anymore. She married and I had really radically changed and, um, you know, really gone down this path of consciousness and awakening. And that's just not where her life was taking her. And so by the time we got divorced, we we just also just didn't have the same common interest anymore uh, and kind of common path. But what we were able to do, um, you know, we're incredibly close. She is, uh, had a, has had a new relationship for five years. We celebrate all the vacations together, all the uh, holidays. Um, we're incredibly supportive. We're super flexible with our arrangement. I, I help her out all the time. She helps me out. And so we have been able to create a beautiful co-parenting relationship, which is incredibly powerful for the kids. Um, and so she's been a rock star in that. And I, I, I mean, I love her dearly for that. She's a badass mom. Um, she found new happiness, new love with another man that's 180 degree different than the kind of guy I am. Which that by itself tells you something, right? So things have to be the way that they work, but. You know, if I look back and going through my marriage, would I knowing what I know now? Um, yeah, I was I was a very underskilled husband. That's putting it mildly. I was really not quali- I was not a very qualified husband. And what I now think a husband or a man should be in a woman's life, if you decide to to devote yourself to a relationship, my expectations of how I'm supposed to show up in that relationship is fundamentally different. Um, you know, I, I, I just was very underskilled, very uh, illiterate. I didn't really understand women in hindsight. We're not really taught. You know, what much about women? We're not even much taught about even things like sexuality and things like that. We just have such a ill understanding of of, of you know, we're wired differently. We're complementary, we're equally important, but women are not men, and men are not women. And we are wired differently. I mean, just her whole system, her body, right? It's about 20 times more complex than ours because. The hardware needed to actually produce life is fundamentally more complex, right? That factory is fundamentally more complex than to have a shot of a sperm produced. I mean, we're very simple creatures physiology, right? I mean, the complexity of her body is like about ten times ours. And you know we're wired differently. so how do you how do you become a master of that? Right.
1: That's the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> there is a, yeah, there's, there's a lot in that, man. I, th- I think that the, the why I keep sort of revisiting the, the relationship and, and the marriage is because a lot of men hold on to that, hold on to their wives or wives hold on to their men or there's a, there's a very unhealthy attachment there and it takes, Courage from one of them to be able to finally let go and say, you know what, you no longer serve me, or we no longer serve each other, and we need to be free from each other to find a new path in our lives. And right. there's a lot of talk out there. You, you you know you follow them, and I see them, and you see them in terms of you know, divorce should not be an option, or you know, you've you've got to you're in a marriage, but you're probably not even giving it 1% effort and it instills yeah. a potentially crippling yeah. effect on yeah, I, being able to, I, I, be, I to become day, free from yeah. that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I saw the other day, I Jordan Peterson was talking about this as well. Oh, yeah, Jordan's and, uh, a big
1: yeah, advocate for that. Yeah.
0: And um, yeah, that's, that's not my philosophy. Um, I, I do think um, that when you make a choice, To devote yourself to a relationship, you should give it absolutely everything, 100%, and take it all the way as far as it can go. Now, there's discernment, like where that, where you reach that line where you've done everything you possibly can. But where I have fallen short as a man, you know, that was kind of going to your question earlier. I think as a man, you should be able to look yourself in the mirror. And, and, and you will, if you're honest with yourself, you will know the moment where you have absolutely done everything you can within your power, within where you are in life, right here, right now. Because you cannot live life 10 years from now or 10 years back. It's always a moment in time. And I think if you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I have absolutely given myself 100% of this i I've done I've exhausted everything I can do, right? And we're just on different timelines. We're doing diff- our the arc of our life, our values are, you know, there's just not there's not enough there anymore to make this the love adventure we both want it to be that serves both of us. Then I think you, I think it's healthy at that point, if you say both together. And in a conscious way, I say, how can we in a graceful way, right, kind of change the form of relationship? Not change loving each other, caring for each other, but we're going to change the form. We're going to do this in a very conscious up way, because at one point I was madly in love with you and I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with you. So I'm not going to just now pull the plug on that and hate your guts and try to see if, how little I can pay you the rest of your life. like. I think actually, where you show up as a man, I, I, you know, someone taught me this, but I made a commitment to my ex wife that I fucked up this husband part, but I am 100% committed to being a world class ex husband. And to this day, five, six years later, I still tell her this. I still show up with my toolbox when she has something breaks down because her boyfriend doesn't happen to be very handy. And so, You know, I never miss any payments to her. I show up. And so we can make this commitment to another person because if you want to, we can change the formula, right? But we can still respect that person. That was a person you spent part of your life with. It was meaningful experiences. At one point, you were whispering all kinds of cute things in her ear. So if she's showing up hurt and angry and all that, just stand in your power, meet it with love, right? Don't get abused, but like, stand in it and say, no, we're going to work through this. Because there's always a graceful path
1: out of everything. Yeah, I love that perspective. Becoming the best ex-husband ever. I've never actually heard that term before, so that's...
0: World-class ex-husband.
1: World-class ex-husband. I love that Every
0: single guy that breaks up with his girlfriend or gets divorced, if you're in my circle, that's the first call you get from me. Like, because when we... When we exit wallowing in self-pity about this shit as men, and we now shift that focus right back to how can we make this this situation as beautiful as it can be, and heartbreak sucks, and divorces suck, and negotiating financial settlements and kids involved, none of it is fun. None of it is pretty. There's lots of emotions going around. There's things being said in the heat of the moment that are painful. But that's fucking life. There's shit in our life that we have to navigate, and it's not all beautiful. Sometimes it's shitty stuff. But we can still show up and be noble and be courageous and be generous and be loving and be kind. Because every moment we make that decision, we are in, in power of ourselves. Now, if we allow that situation to dictate how we show up and we become reactionary, we go for revenge, vengefulness, jealousy, all this stuff, we don't own shit. We don't own ourselves. We are just being, we're just being a little boy in a man's body. And so every time you have a hardship in your life, especially divorce or breakup. That is a PhD in leadership, because the way you do anything is the way you do everything in life. So, if you're being a little, you know, screamy girl, and no, I won't say that one because I get all the whole agenda. People, over my head. if you're being a little boy in that situation, right? Then you, I can guarantee you, that you're a little boy in other situations at your work, your career, in the gym, whatever it shows up everywhere. So whenever we have like true hardship, like something really tough that we have to navigate through, I tell them like, man, I know it sucks, but it's beautiful. Because if you can show your metal in the heat of battle, it's gonna show up in the gym, it's gonna show up at your work, it's gonna show up everywhere in your life because you're forging the metal here. And the next time you have an asshole boss or you have some client that's a dickhead, or or, you know, excuse my French here, but like, life is going to show up ugly in other places, too. It just happens, right? But you forging your metal in this situation or any situation is going to give you the armament so that you can navigate more, more gracefully through that next bump in the road, which, by the way, is all life is. It's just a bunch of bumps in the road. Now, are the bumps going to dictate your life? Or are you going to just navigate these bumps?
1: Mm. How has the... You know, how how has the relationship with your with your sons and your daughter changed from the time you were in the marriage to your life today?
0: Oh man, that's been one of the biggest gifts because I didn't know really how to be a father. I was uh, away so much, and then when we got divorced, I really didn't know. I didn't know how to take care of them. Like I didn't have to think about that. You know, we had a I had a, a an ex wife now, but I had. They had their mother and nannies when they were kids. So, you know, other than the occasional driving and I would show up for a soccer game, but like, I didn't know how to cook them a meal and all that. So when I moved in by myself, now I have to have them on the schedule every Thursday. And, you know, I have to like clear my calendar for that. I wasn't used to that. I would come home when I could, when my work was done, I didn't like, you know, you have to show up at five o'clock and, or whatever, you know, to pick up my kids from school or activities and, And so in the weekend, in the beginning, I I tell you what, man, I I had to, like, ask my ex-wife. She helped me tremendously with this. I didn't even know. I said I need a grocery. I don't even know what to eat. I didn't even know what to buy. I don't know what to cook. Like, how do I do this? Like, literally, I didn't know how to do it. Now, here was a guy that was running big businesses and all this stuff, but this, I was in a panic about. Like, I just didn't know how to do it. But what it forced me to do And again, she was so graceful in helping me, and she made me lists and reminders and all this shit. And then, you know, over the next few months, I kind of got in the hang of it. But what I realized is that it was a huge gift because I was actually, that time, they were my responsibility. I was actually spending time with them. I was talking with them, and then I was starting to play games with them and watch a movie. And, like, I actually got so much more involved with them that it was a huge gift. And I'm super close with them now. And, you know, we laugh. My oldest is 14, almost 15. Like none of my T-shirts or shorts are safe anymore these days because, you know, he thinks my closet is uh, and my daughter, too. I mean, they all think my closet is their closet or something. I don't know. But, you know, we we have a ton of fun. I'm super lucky. They're great kids. And um, but I wouldn't have had this kind of relationship with them if I, if, if we wouldn't have gotten divorced, I would have been a very distant, cold kind of guy that's occasionally around, but not really that plugged in.
1: Have you moved on to another relationship yourself at this point?
0: Yeah. 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 There's uh well, it's been five, six years. So I was in a relationship for about, uh, after my divorce, when the, when, uh, I was in a relationship for about a year and a half. And part of that, we um, she moved in with me as well. And that that was really a big heartbreak, actually. Uh, but it was a beautiful relationship and that she was really the one that kind of opened my heart again to love. So it was very transformational. But, you know, we were just you know, also kind of on a little bit different journeys and different places of life. And uh, I am um, now I've got my one year anniversary coming up on next week. Uh, It's very unusual, though, because right now she lives in Thailand. She's originally from Quebec. I live in Miami. And so, you know, we spent a few months together, and then she has other places. She's a a healer practitioner as well, and she travels all around the world doing workshops and retreats. And so we find ways to connect, um, and we're very connected. But I have my kids here so i i will not leave my kids um you know for more than a few weeks and so you know her lifestyle is not 100 percent compatible but our relationship we've been able to find a way to balance this this is for many people very unusual but for us it's been beautiful and it's got a lot of freedom in it and um you know we love what it provides us and we're very close even when she travels you know we're, we're very close in our communication and very connected Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's not as traditional as maybe some other people would aspire to, but it works for us.
1: Doesn't have to be, doesn't have to go with the status quo, does it?
0: Yeah, no, it works for us. We write our own damn rules. That's why we call it. And, uh, so, you know, and I, I, I strongly suggest everybody does that because I think there's a lot of coaching nowadays. You have to do it this way or that way or not this and that, you know, and I, I always, I think. You know, we're all different. And even, like, in these discussions of, you know, should it be monogamous or this? and, And, like, I stay away from that whole subject because I think everything is just an experience. And, you know, you need to go live your life and you write your rules for your life. As long as your rule is you're not causing any undue harm to anybody else, then... Go live the experiences that you want to live in this life, and go live the way you want to live. Write your own rules. Just the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you wish to be done unto you. And um, but go write your own rules. I I I I'm not a believer. Like, I mean, I do love a lot of Jordan Peterson's work, but I think sometimes he's way too rigid. And I don't think you can box people in. there's no two people in the world that are exactly the same. And people have different desires, different wishes. They want to live different lifestyles. They want to experience living lifestyles. I don't care what you do. I mean, like, go go be you. You know, you are here to do you. I'm here to do me. Mm -hmm. And we're all unique. And we're all a puzzle piece that's infinitely worthy in this mosaic called humanity. Right? And your job here in this life is to go do you. Not Jordan Peterson's you, not Robert's version of you, your version of you, right? Mm-hmm. You're the offer. You're the you're the scriptwriter.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big. Uh, well, I wouldn't say a big. I'm definitely. I was a big fan of Jordan Peterson. I'd say I'm a, I'm a fan now, but you don't have to agree with everything that somebody no, says no, no, no. in order and to derive. Yeah. in, in, in yeah, order, in order to derive value from, from that working work and message. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. there's loads of good things there as well, but there oh, are, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah, lot no, of rigidity. I,
0: I, I love a lot of his work. I just, I've, I have noticed that as his popularity gains, he's getting more edgy on his positions and, um, you know, I, I don't know where that's coming from. maybe it's just evolution of his his, his ideas they're developing. and i I do see lots of value in it. Um I think a lot of things he's right on point. and then some things for me personally, I think is a little too you know, yeah, people are different, man. Everybody's unique.
1: Yeah. there's one thing that's still on my mind here, and you did mention it earlier there about, Forgiving people from the past and yeah. having to write a letter to your dad, or having to for, ask forgiveness from your dad, and he was—he's no longer around, unfortunately. So,
0: well, what 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 does that yeah. look like? Well, let me let me. So, when we do forgiveness, right? We don't ask other people for forgiveness. We give other people forgiveness. And the first thing, the first one you need to forgive is yourself. All right? Now, I, I, I'm not super religious in any way, but, you know, sometimes it's it's helpful to put it in this context. So God, or creator, spirit, great spirit, universal intelligence, whatever, it doesn't have to forgive ever. Because it doesn't judge anything. So forgiveness is a consequence of judgment and opinion. That's where it comes from. Because we judge something about ourselves, we now have to forgive it to transmute that original judgment. When we judge another, we now have to transmute that energy with forgiveness. So really the mastery in it, the PhD level, is to not judge and have no opinions about most things in life. This is not yours to judge someone else. Not yours to judge where that fits in their evolutionary path. And we see maybe 1% of reality, 99% we don't see, right? Metaphysically speaking, all the billions of variables that come together in this intelligence, this web of life, that organizing itself, self-organizing complex living system of which we are part, So we judge on one percent, one sliver of reality that we see. And then we see it through the foggy lens of our own perspective. So it's not even like absolute truth. It's our relative truth based on the way we happen to look at life, which you're from Ireland. uh, You know, I was born in Holland, but in America. But I can promise you that a guy born in Japan is going to look at life very differently than you because his relative, his lens is different. He looks at everything through Japanese culture. You look at it through Irish culture. I'm this, you know, European American mud by this time, right? So, but we're all going to look at life very differently. And then, you know, if we have different genders or whatever, different economic social classes. We're going to look at everything in a, in a very unique lens. So, forgiveness is something we give to someone else. Let's assume we've forgiven ourselves or whatever, you know, we judged. And the reason you do it is to actually alleviate yourself from that, to release that load that that load you're carrying in your backpack from you. It's actually, it actually has nothing to do with them accepting it. You don't even need to know them. So let me give you an example. This is is you know, a very dreadful example, but let's say um, a, a a girl or a woman was raped by a stranger, and they never find the um, the offender. Now, for her to carry the hate and the negative emotions of that experience, of course, I'm not condoning any of it. But actually, releasing the trauma, she has to forgive this trespasser to release the trauma that's in her cell tissue, right? Now, I'm not saying she needs to prove it, condone it. It doesn't. But what happened is what happened. And somehow he needs to carry, you know, we can trust in the universe that the universe settles all karmic debts. We don't, we don't have to be debt collectors of karmic debts. So the universe squares it all out over eternity. Maybe in this lifetime, maybe in the next lifetime, whatever, it doesn't matter. That's not for us to solve, right? So when we see some rich guy that we think of and everything, but we know he's a bad guy, like. Right? That you don't have to settle that debt; the universe will take care of that, right? And 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 it will do it in intelligent ways, much more intelligent than you and I could ever come up with. So you know, let that just release that to the universe, and so that rapist, that woman can actually forgive and let that go, knowing that the universe will take care of that karmic debt, right? And this was just an experience in her life and it means nothing about her it doesn't make her less worthy doesn't make her less loved doesn't make her less special doesn't make her less divine than she was before right and so you know that's that's how we start working with forgiveness it's a powerful practice because so many people carry so much in their backpack about things they can't change because we can't go back she cannot go back in time and undo that right you cannot go back in time and undo that time that maybe your dad beat you up with a bell. You cannot go and you can't change the events. It's just it's, it's immutable, right? So we can only what's it what, what is within our power is our perception of these events, the narrative, the story, what we make these events mean about us. That we can. That's 100 percent in our power. But the actual experience itself. There's nothing we can do about it. We just have to accept the way it was or showed up. It's just an experience. And the universe is neutral about the what is. And our job is to transmute basically our perception of it and let go of whatever negative connotation we have of it. Because otherwise we keep punishing ourselves and just carry it forward in life. In anger, rage, you know, all these things which are whose life is being hurt there. It's our life, right? We're hurting ourselves. Mm-hmm not the offender. We're actually keep punishing ourselves by carrying it forward into life.
1: Yeah. Robert, I've absolutely loved this conversation, man.
0: Wow. Thank you. I, yeah, I hope it was some, some, some gem, some nugget of gold here somewhere.
1: Um, Definitely. I really enjoyed it too. I really appreciate it. Tons of value, man. Tons of value and uh, incredible insights there. Uh, Thank you so much for all of that. And, for anyone listening to the podcast here, I know you've got a book out there at the moment. You're in the middle of editing your second book. However, before that comes out, where can they find your?
0: Yeah, well, on Amazon, book? I don't. I, I I assume you have Amazon there, but the Barnes and yeah. it. it's everywhere. It's called Never Enough It Is. Uh, it's a story of my life, and then some of the spiritual lessons that helped me kind of evolve out of the the trough that I found myself in. And, um, it's, uh, it's never fucking enough, right. Uh, because I was always moving the goalpost, always trying to find more and more and more, and you know, it never proved to be enough because I wasn't enough for me. Right. And it wasn't, the stuff wasn't going to fill me up. So that's where the title came from. Never enough artists. Um, I have a website, uh, You can find some of my work there. Um, I am obviously on the social media things. You'll probably put the links in there. You can follow me, and um, and anybody that is uh, interested in my work, you can uh, you can sign up. There's actually a booklet called The Hero's Journey. It's a free ebook. Uh, so if you want to sign up on my website you get a free ebook and you can also if someone wanted to work with me you can schedule uh, an exploratory call for 15 minutes and you get me on the phone and we just chat about real life and what you're grappling with and um, my my coaching schedule is a is a little bit limited because i'm editing this book but i have some space uh, always available for uh, the right people to come in so happy to hear from people and if anybody has any feedback on the book? I always love hearing that too, because it's very helpful to know everybody that reads the book. What I'm noticing is they get something different from it, so it's very uh, rewarding actually to hear what people took from it, because it's so different for everybody.
1: Brilliant, Robert. Well, thank you so much, and we shall be in touch. In the meantime, go and check out his great work and grab his book and find further insights and value from that. So, uh,
0: well, I appreciate you guys. Thank I appreciate you, all the work you're doing. I really, uh, really do. You know, kudos to you.
1: appreciate it, man. Stay strong, my man. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the modern warrior podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, Please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information, and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.